Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 42. Welcome back everyone, thank you all for joining me once again. Um, I hope everyone has had a great week since the last time you've heard me. I'm trying to think about what what updates do I need to give. I don't know if I talked any about Thanksgiving in my last episode since it wasn't a guest episode, but um, I had a pretty good Thanksgiving. I just went out to Cracker Barrel with my husband, and it was delicious. Um, sorry if this is a repeat. I genuinely can't remember if I talked about it last episode, and I'm not going to go back and check, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't. Um, so yeah, we went to Cracker Barrel, so we just had like a real simple Cracker Barrel dinner, but it was perfect because it was plenty of food, really inexpensive. The wait was long, but you know, we were fine. It was like an hour and a half wait, but really we only, they told us hour and a half, but we only waited like 50 minutes and we expected a a long wait. So that was all right. I was able to read a book. Um, I finished the book. I don't know if I talked about that on this podcast either. I'm pretty sure not because like it was a guest episodes and I don't usually talk about like my own shit on the guest episodes. Um, I read My Friend Anna by Rachel Deloach Williams, which was about the Anne Delvey scammer. So that was really good. Um, Highly recommend Anna Delvey, Anna Sorokin. um, She was like the Russian uh, fake heiress. She was pretending to be a German heiress and she like fleeced this woman out of like tens of thousands of dollars. And it's like very anxiety inducing. Um, especially if you're like me and you have like financial anxiety in general, but very good, highly recommend. So I finished that book because of the long wait. Um, and otherwise it was like a really good relaxing day. I had Thanksgiving off. I had to work the day before and the day after, which honestly, I'm probably never going to work Black Friday again. I, I should have just taken it off and in the future I, I will because it's sad to have to go back to work and shout out to anyone who if you did have to work on Black Friday and like you had no choice and no ability to take it off like my heart really truly does go out to you because I could have taken it off and I just chose not to but now I will count my blessings and be thankful for in the future when I do hopefully have the ability to take it off um what else what else is going on I am recording this um, from my new Papazon chair. I'm trying something new out. I'm still recording on my phone for the most part, um, occasionally on the computer, but still on my phone just because it is pretty convenient and the sound quality is pretty good. I, I hope you all agree with me that the sound quality is still pretty good. So it's it's nice to be able to just like chill and just talk into my phone instead of having to get like the whole setup with the microphone and the headphones. Uh, so I got a new Papazon chair, which if you don't know, is one of those big like circle chairs with the cushion in it. And it is so comfortable. <laughs> I love it so much. So I'm just like snuggled up in my chair now. I've got like a pillow under my back and I've got a blanket. So this is this is nice. This is like probably the ideal way to podcast. Um, so if this works out, maybe I'll this is how I'll just be podcasting from henceforth. Um, so I got a new Papazon chair. I got a new nose ring. I'm very excited about a cute little dainty rose gold nose hoop. Um, and now I need to stop spending money because I bought a, like a bunch of stuff for myself. I really treated myself on like Black Friday weekend and I extended that. I didn't even buy a lot on Black Friday. I just like 
think I bought one, like a sweater. I think that was it. It was like the only thing that I bought. Um, but I don't know, ever since then, I've just been like, treat yourself, girl, Christmas present for yourself. So that's why I buy a chair and like jewelry and all these other things that I don't need to get. Um, but yeah, I think that's basically all the updates that I have. Nothing, Nothing's going on in my life that's like very important right now that warrants an update. Um, but other than my life, I do want to give an update on the podcast and how things are going to work for the rest of the year. So, um, this is going to come out on December 10th. So this is December 10th's episode. So I'm going to take the next two weeks off. So for the next two Tuesdays, no episodes coming out. Uh, that means I'm going to come back on December 31st. So I'm coming back on New Year's Eve, But instead of a traditional snapback to reality episode, what I'm going to do is kind of just a non-traditional overview of like the past year, Um, just like talking about some of the favorite shows that I've watched, some of the things that have like surprised me that I didn't expect and just kind of just like, I don't know, just my thoughts on reality TV, having like a year of really eclectic, more or less a year of really eclectic reality TV under my belt and just things that I never thought I would watch things that I never thought I would watch again because it's been years and years and years. And so I kind of want to do that. Um, I don't even know how long of an episode that's going to be or what that's really going to sound like, but I have a few weeks to figure it out. I'll also work on, you know, doing some stuff, like working ahead so that I'm not always scrambling and recording things the day before, but you know how I always say that. So we'll see what happens with that. But on top of that, I would also really love uh, to do a mailbag episode or just like a little mailbag like portion of the episode. Um, so basically if you have anything that you want to send me, any messages, any thoughts, any like shows that you remember that you wish that I I would talk about. Um, I know a lot of people have DM'd me and like talked about some shows and says, oh, said, you know, will you do this in the future? And I've always said like, yeah, definitely. But then I like always lose those recommendations when I like I'm searching for something to do. So if you would just like send those to me again and I'll like go through that and we can even like vote. I don't know. I'll put like an Instagram poll if people have strong feelings one way or another um, and we can like pick the next few episodes I'll do or something like that. So just send me some stuff. Um, Send me any questions you have. Like I'll do a little AMA if you guys have any questions for me like about my personal life or just like what I do, what what I do when I'm not podcasting, um, which isn't a lot. I spend a lot of time doing stuff for this because it's it's you know it's a labor of love and it's a passion um so yeah if you guys have anything to ask me or anything you want to say I think even anchor has the um ability to you can just do voice messages in app or like go online and leave a voice message and like attach it to this show specifically like snap back to reality so that I can just take it and put it into my next episode if I want to so if you have anything that you want to say like in a voice message do that too And yeah, we'll just throw that together. It'll be like a big, beautiful patchwork quilt of an episode of just like my thoughts and feelings and hopefully some some audience feedback. Um, And that'll be my little end of the year like cap off. Uh, So normal episodes will resume in 2020 and hopefully it'll just we'll pick up from where we left off and just do something. um, Hopefully something really fun, something really cool, like as the first episode of the year. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. If anyone has any like strong opinions on what I do or what I what happens in the next two weeks while I'm on break, like send me a message, DM me, um, and we'll figure it out. 
So that being said, since the, that's like the plan, I'm going to take a little bit of a holiday break, a little winter break. Um, I wanted to do kind of just something quick and easy and fun um, to talk about today. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about a show that I know I used to love watching, but I feel like it might be kind of niche. Like this is not something that a lot of people I've heard talking about. I just, I don't know. So hopefully this is something that people will enjoy. Um, we're talking about a show called High School Stories. So this is a show that is an MTV show. Um, it's the full, the full like title, I guess, is High School Stories, Scandals, Pranks, and Controversies. This is something that I watched a lot when I was in middle school. Like I distinctly remember watching it on the TV in my bedroom at my mom's house and like watching a lot of high school stories, I guess. <laughs> this was like my, how I had a, co a concept of what high school would be like. So I probably had an unrealistic expectation of like what high school pranks are and how everyone like gets together and says kumbaya and like everything like works out in the end. Um, but yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. It's something that's kind of quick and easy. So that's what we're going to do. So like I mentioned, it is an MTV show, but it aired mostly on MTV too. And like occasionally like episodes would air on MTV so MTV2, it was like, I don't even really know what the point of that channel was. It had some like random stuff on there, um, but it was like a specialty cable or satellite channel. So I'm sure a lot of people didn't have it. So that's why I'm like, I'm kind of taking a risk even talking about this show because I don't know how many people had access to that channel and like watched it, but I really enjoyed it. The show High School Stories premiered on February 4th, 2004. There were like three I guess what we call classic seasons in like the early mid 2000s and then a fourth season which aired in 2010 weirdly enough um so obviously it's stories from high schoolers <laughs> usually it's people who have already graduated um but just like young adults and it features stories of pranks scandals hot controversies that people took part in when they were in high school so there have been all sorts of different things um a lot of I would say most of them are probably pranks but there are some, like, I guess, scandals and controversies, you could say. Um, and it's told through interviews with the students, home videos, if they have any, and then mostly through reenactments, which is really fun because it's they're, like, mostly just using the people themselves. Like, they're definitely using the main, quote-unquote, characters. Um, but even, like, the high school principals and, like, the police officers, I think, sometimes, like, they use the actual people of the town instead of actors. They definitely use some actors because I went on IMDb and there were a lot of actors that was just like so-and-so police officer, so-and-so high school student. So I'm sure they had like background extras to just fill in the blanks. But otherwise, it's like the people themselves, which I always appreciate. So how I chose the episode that we're talking about, um, it's not a real episode. So there were a few like stories. So in each episode, it's like only a half hour show. And so each half hour episode of this show there are two specific stories that are told um so like one story it will be like one prank and then another story will be another prank um or whatever happens and there were a few stories like the individual self-contained stories on youtube so i just like watched through all of the stories that were available on youtube and i chose the two that i liked best um those were two that i had like remembered watching myself like they were 
I distinctly remember watching those episodes. They both have, well, one has a really satisfying ending and the other has a pretty good ending. Like, it's a good full story. Um, plus, instead of being just pranks, it's like one prank and one controversy, I guess we'll call it. So it's kind of like a good mix of what this show was envisioned to be. Um, so I guess I'll just get right into it. So the first little story that we're going to talk about is called The North Penn High School Forking. So every episode does open with a disclaimer, which is like a high school, uh, it says it's a blackboard and it has like chalk, you know, it's like a chalkboard green with white, white chalk and it has like the disclaimer on it. So it says the high school story study guide, but it basically just explains that like all of the stories are real, the home videos, photos, the storytellers, they're all authentic, but they've been reenacted just to give you that context. So I feel like my dumbass as a middle schooler probably was like, well, did they really have the cameras there when they were like doing all of this stuff and probably not even realize it was like a reenactment. Um, so we get a narrator each episode who kind of gives us a preview of what's about to happen. I guess, I guess the narrators are like, we're, I don't know. Okay. Let me know if you if you remember this show, if you are also a high school stories head, um, the, were the narrators the MTV VJs? Because I know like Lala was one and Lala did a lot of stuff on MTV. Um, Vanessa is the one that we get for these stories who like, I don't, what's her, I don't know. Vanessa, Vanessa what? I, rem I remember her being a thing in the mid 2000s, but I don't remember what her name is or like, she was never super famous. Um, but Vanessa is our store, our narrator for the stories on this episode. So she gives a little preview of what's about to happen, um, but it doesn't matter because, like, one story that she tells about is not even available anywhere on YouTube, so I didn't do it. Uh, we get our theme song. It's not a song. It's, like, little shots of, like, an abandoned high school. <laughs> it's just, like, here's an empty hallway and an empty room. It's a little bit creepy. But it has these echoing voices in the background. And it's like, my school is so boring. So boring. Give us something to talk about. Give us something to talk about. <laughs> I just like can just hear it in my head always because it just, you know, imprinted in that time when your brain is super malleable. And now it's um it's stuck in my brain forever. Which, speaking of, okay, this is a sidebar, but I really, I have to tell this story. So I was hanging out with my friend Kelsey over the weekend. Kelsey, who you all just heard on last week's episode. Well, Kelsey and I were hanging out. We were watching TikToks because that is what we do as two grown adult women. Um, and there was this TikTok where it was a girl. And just like the, the, the commitment that the kids have for these TikToks is truly incredible. And I commend them. But there was this girl who did this series of TikToks where it was the... Uh, education connection commercials and each time she did like each iteration of the TikTok it got like a little bit better and closer to the commercial and it was so good but obviously like you know the entire TikTok was like the song and I know that song I know the entire song and all of the lyrics to that song which is not a short commercial song it's a it's like a full minute um so I was singing along you know like you do and Kelsey, like, is just shocked that I know the lyrics. I was like, wait, you don't know all of the lyrics to the Education Connection song? And she was like, no. So um, that's, like, my talent, I guess. It's just that I have a really good mind for lyrics. But, um, yeah, it's, it just came to me, I guess, at that time when my brain was, like, malleable and it could imprint and it's just in there. So that and, like, the high school stories, the sound of the echoing voices from the opening theme – it's just in there. Never leave. 
All right, so we get our introduction from Vanessa, and she tells us basically that this story is about one group of seniors who try to pull off the biggest prank their town has ever seen by tapping into their love of forks. And she's like, forks? Yeah, forks. Just watch and you'll find out. It's like one of those things that's like stupid. Because it's like, who has a love of forks? Whatever. Um, So each episode starts with introducing us to, or each story, I guess I should say, starts with introducing us to the town. So this takes place in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. It's a quaint suburb of Philadelphia, um, and we just get some, like, interviews from the local teens. They just talk about mostly how boring the town is, how there's not a lot to do, and how, like, as a young person, you sort of have to be creative and sort of make your own fun. But one person does say that the most interesting part is the size of their high school. So North Penn High has 330, no, sorry, 3,300 students. Yeah, 330, that's, like, it's nothing. But, yes, 3,300 students. Um, there's so much going on that the students actually want to go to school. There are all kinds of different clubs and we get a bunch of shots of like different activities that students participate in. Um, and we get also a cute little interview from the principal who says that last year the swim team won state, like the swim team won the state title, the football team won the state title and the academic decathlon team won the state title, which I just like appreciate that he's like all three of these are equally as important to us as a school. So then we're introduced to Tom who is sort of the hero of our tale Um, We get a little talking head interview from him where he says that, you know, this is um, a really great place because there's so much to do that everyone can find their niche. And he is described as North Penn's resident class clown. He is active in plays. He likes to perform. And he's also the mascot on the football team. So I feel like everyone had that kind of person in their high school who was like, he was kind of cool, kind of popular, just because he's, like, really funny, but also, like, just really nice to everyone. Also really, really smart. Like, these guys are also, like, like the smartest, one of the smartest kids in class, but, like, you can never, like, they never make a big deal out of it. Um, just, like, the type of person who, like, give a great valedictorian speech, you know? The person who you want to be valedictorian because you know they're going to, like, they're a nice guy and they're going to give, like, a fun speech. So we get some interviews from other students talking about Tom. Um, One of his classmates says that he's nice to everyone. Another guy says that he's just totally unique. Uh, What's also fun, too, about this is for each of the people that we get interviews from, we get, you know, a little Chiron with their name and then what year they graduated from high school. So we get Marty, class of 04, and Steve, class of 05. And that was a while ago. It's just like, wow, back in the day. I, I mean, I was in middle school back then, so it, like, has nothing to do with me, but I just, like, I remember my stepsister at the time, her, I don't remember, I don't know when she would have graduated, but, like, she had friends that would have been classes, class of 04, class of 05, things like that, um, so it just, like, takes me back, like, I really, really, truly remember, like, where I was, like, in 2004, so we're introduced as well to Tom's core group of friends. They call themselves the Mantastic Four. It's because Tom was inspired after reading like a Fantastic Four comic. I guess originally it was four guys, but then it grew and now it's at least five. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess they still call themselves the Mantastic Four or at least the Mantastics because that's what they're referred to as later on. Um, one of the guys, Andy, says that if you took James Bond and cloned him five times, that would be the Mantastic Four. Um, but another one of the girls, Jennifer, class of 04, she says that they're the coolest group of guys you'll ever meet. So kind of, yeah, what I said, just like these kind of goofy guys, but like everyone really like likes them because they get along with everyone. 
So at this point, we get a little voiceover from Vanessa about how the Fantastic Four like spends their time crowd surfing in the cafeteria or performing interpretive dances. So of course, we get the reenactments of this happening. So literally, the guys are like being like crowd surfed in a hallway. And then for the interpretive dances, they're all wearing like Peter Pan costumes and they're on stage like in the theater. <laughs> you just see them running around on stage. It's fun. Um, but we learn that their favorite activity is forking. So Jay says, forking by definition is taking a large number of forks and shoving them into the ground of someone's lawn. Um, I just like how he says it's by definition. Thank you. Is that in Webster's? Thank you. Um, another one of the guys, Andy, who I think is the same guy who said that thing about the James Bond, um, says it sounds stupid, but it's like really fun. And the best part is seeing the person's reaction when they like walk outside and they see that they've been forked. So here also we get another reenactment and it's a girl who like walks out of her house. She looks down, she sees that her lawn has been forged and she's like, not again. <laughs> uh, and Tom, you know, Tom again, who is sort of the ringleader of this group. He says that they'll fork someone if they like, if someone did something like not so cool to them, they fork them. But also if they really love someone, they'll fork them too. So it's just something that this group does pretty much whenever it's just their signature thing to do. So it was their senior year, and they decided that they wanted to revive the tradition of a senior year prank. So, of course, Tom said that they should fork the high school. So the guys decided to plan this out. They met, they would meet at a uh, restaurant, like, every day after school because they realized that they, they needed to actually plan all of the details. Um, first was deciding that where they were going to actually do the forking. That was pretty easy, though. Tom says he was adamant about doing the center cork courtyard of the school because it's minimum exposure to cops it's a lot of ground to cover so you can really make a big impact with it and then of course the next step is how are they going to get the forks so we're told that it takes about 2,000 forks just to fork a regular size lawn so they set the goal for their high school to be 30,000 forks so they get started um they're asking people to just like grab stacks of forks during their lunch period like whenever they go through the lunch line just grab a bunch of forks out of the the bin but they quickly realize that you know they can't keep taking forks from the high school because they'll they'll notice all of the forks going missing but also i think that would be kind of hilarious like stealing forks from your high school and then using their own forks against them to fork the lawn um, but they also would take forks, they would like buy them from the supermarket. So we see reenactment scenes of them like shoving all of the forks into a, a grocery cart and taking it up and just the cashier looking at them like they're crazy. But then the big get was one of the guys, Jay, went into a Chinese restaurant and saw that they had a bunch of bulk forks. So realized they must order them from somewhere. So he spoke to the manager, claimed that he needed 10,000 forks for a family reunion. And the manager agreed to put in an order for him and he could just like pay the Chinese manager. Um, so that's kind of funny. That's how they got a bunch of their forks was from buying them wholesale through a Chinese restaurant. So eventually they reached their fork goal. And then finally they need a date to execute their plan. So there's only two weeks left of school at this point, so they need to get it done soon. And Tom, you know, the, the smooth talker, the charmer that he is, he casually talks to a school security guard and finds out that there's actually no one at the school at all on Sunday nights. Which doesn't seem like a good idea, but you do you, North Penn High School. So the guys decide, you know, they're going to do it this Sunday. They keep the date secret until the last possible second so as to not, like, get the word out and, and turn the authorities onto them. So they don't even let people know until after school Friday night. And then at that point, they'd let them know that it's happening Sunday. 
Um, but they try to get as many people as possible. Tom says he spent the entire weekend calling people and telling them, you know, Sunday at midnight. Um, when the time arrives, Sunday at midnight, the Forkers all arrive and they gather in Tom's basement. And Tom says that he drastically underestimated how many people were going to come. One of the other Mantastic Four guys says that it was like 70 to 80 people all packed into Tom's basement. I don't know if I believe that because I know that when I hosted Friendsgiving at my house, there were like 20 or so people in my living room. And we'll say that my living room and hallway is probably the size of Tom's basement. Even my entire apartment, could we could say it's the size of Tom's basement. I do not think that 70 people could fit. I think that if we doubled the amount of people and that was only 20, if 40 people fit in my apartment, we would probably like be sweating our brains out and I don't know, sardined into one another. So take it with a grain of salt. This is also a teenager that told us it was 70 to 80. So then Tom, since he is the ringleader of this whole operation, he gives a speech. Um, the day that they actually, the day that they actually forked the school was the 60th anniversary of D-Day. So Tom like invoked, invoked D-Day in his speech, which like is fun from a perspective of like, this is just a bunch of harmless fun from high schoolers, but also is like, a, a lot of people died. <laughs> like, maybe don't make that much light of it. But you know what? We're going to err on the side of this is fun. <laughs> just, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm not going to be a, a killjoy right now. Um, so yeah, he just said like 60 years ago, our forefathers invaded the beaches of Normandy. And today we invade the lawns of North Penn High. So like everyone cheers and they all get their forks and they all head out. And we get a little interview from Tom's dad at this point where he says that he just woke up to a stream of kids leaving the house and they all got in their cars and just the sound of car engines simultaneously starting up on 20 cars. It was like the Spanish Armada just heading out. So that was kind of funny. So it says that it's at 2 a.m. the students arrive at the school. So I don't I don't know how long it took for them to have that little pre-forking meeting because that was supposedly at midnight. But they arrive at 2 a.m. They all park in a neighborhood behind the school and they walk like they walk in through the woods. Um, someone apparently makes Tom a giant fork trident thing that he like carries with him and leads the way. And so the woods lead them right out into the center of the courtyard where they need to go. Um, they charge out in there and they get to work. Uh, so one of the Mantastic, Mantastic crew, the Mantastic Four, um, tells us that it was kind of the labor was divided into the forkers who were sort of the worker bees and then the planners, everyone who had like planned, they were like the field commanders who were kind of helping supervise. And then Tom was their general. He was the one who was in charge. He was giving orders. He was the one who like made himself available to help people. He was wearing a bright white uh, sweatshirt so that if anyone needed like help, they could immediately see where he was. Um, and Tom says the only sounds that you could hear were like forks going in the ground and him, you know, yelling out orders as needed. And he was just like, everyone just fell in line. And it's just like, yeah, he just seems like the type of guy where people are willing to just do what he says because he is so generally good natured. <laughs> like that's, that's the vibe that I get from him. So I guess someone who knew about the prank, but didn't care to participate in the prank um they drove up because they a wanted to see how things were going and two i guess kind of wanted to like prank the prankers um and scare them and think maybe that they were the cops so they drove by and then they like peeled out and squealed their tires a little bit and that scared the forkers so they like started to scatter started to run into the woods before they realized that it was a false alarm and they they all went back to the courtyard to continue their job but all that commotion caused someone who lived in the neighborhood to call the cops. And a few minutes later, the actual cops were there. 
So the cops pulled up. They have their lights on, but at least their sirens are off. Um, and everyone dropped what they had, and they started running away. And then at this point, we get a talking head from, like, an interview from one of the cops himself, Officer Ken Meyer. Um, he said he figured it would be a vandalism situation, like graffiti, some spray paint on the walls, broken windows. So you got to wonder what that man, <laughs> what he actually thought when he walked into the courtyard and he just sees, like, tens of thousands of forks sticking up out of the lawn. So Tom, the good guy that he is, you know, he decides that he needs to talk to the cops and explain what's going on. Using that white privilege, that white male privilege, good on you, Tom, to like to speak to the cops. <laughs> um, and so he says that, you know, he he tried to explain what was happening, that it was just a prank, but the officer still needed to, to take them in. So everyone who was called by the cops ended up going down to the police station. Um, and of course, the police had to like do that thing when they tell you all the worst case scenario and they're like, you're going to ruin your life because you're going to get charged with like vandalism and breaking and entering and destruction of property and all this shit when all they did was like stick forks in, a, in, a, in the ground. But ultimately, you know, they let them go. They said that they would recommend for the school not to press charges. And the officer even says that the ingenuity they had in putting the prank together was kind of admirable. That's one of the things that I really love is that all of the the, the parents and the, the the adults are all more or less like in on this or not in on this, but like okay with the result of what happened. Um, so the guys get released and then they have just a few hours to get ready for school. So I I wonder if they even went to sleep at all because you think that they get there at two a.m. They're probably forking for like an hour or two. They, they go downtown, you know. They're probably released from the police station around 5 or 6 a.m. at the latest. Or 6 a.m. at the earliest. It's 5 a.m. at the earliest, I'd say. 6 a.m. maybe. And then what? School starts like 7.38. So, yeah, they really didn't have any time to, to sleep. Uh, so the next day, everyone arrives and they see the lawn covered in forks. We get some various interviews from people at the school. Students who said that they were late for a class because they just stood out looking at the forks. We even get an interview from one of the teachers and she just said that she just started laughing. Um, so like <laughs> the students are on board, the teachers are even on board, but the fantastic team, they were worried that the cops had told the school about what they had done. They thought that they, you know, something might happen. They might get in trouble. Um, one of them says that he was worried he might not get to like graduate with his class. Cause that is a big thing that happens in this show in the high school stories. Like whatever prank the people do is always the result is like you don't get to walk at graduation and then like that's the whole controversy afterwards is like they want to let someone walk like they don't want to let someone walk and then they complain their parents complain like the school like the students all revolt against the school so um it's kind of that's what kind of is kind of interesting about this one is that everyone's kind of okay with what happens so uh the school actually didn't need to hear from the cops because they were able to immediately pick tom out on the school security cameras that run 24 7 even when people aren't there um so especially him wearing that like white sweatshirt like yeah so tom gets called out of homeroom and he gets called down to the principal's office and the principal basically says you know you have your final exams today you got to take those but as long as you get all of the forks out of the lawn by the end of the day like all the forks cleaned up and I look out my when I look out my window at the end of the day and I don't see anything there won't be any consequences so Tom takes the deal 
Um, he runs around the school. He asks people to help him. He even stood up in the middle of one of his finals to ask for help. His teacher didn't like that. I'm shocked that he did not fail that final automatically. It must not have been an AP. <laughs> uh, but he found about 35 to 40 people to help him clean up the forks. And he was just very happy and touched that so many people were willing to help. Um, he said that it was kind of just like a beautiful moment. They had the homecoming queen next to like a singer in a local band. And they were all just picking up forks together even people that had nothing to do with the prank. And he said it felt like it was something like a saved by the bell moment. So they had until the end of the day, the principal said by noon that day, they had cleared up all of the forks and brought them into the office to prove that they had all of them. Um, the principal says that they acted very responsibly. And so then as a sweet little cap on the end of the episode, later that week at graduation, the principal even commented, um, like he made a comment while he was speaking at graduation and said that he commended the organizational skills of the 50 seniors who forked the courtyard that past Sunday. Everyone at graduation cheers, of course, but then one of the, um, the, the guys says that it was a little bit too much approval and it kind of ruins their image. Um, so Tom, Tom was just like, you know, he, he says that, it was like the principal is genuinely proud of it and that was just amazing and Tom was just happy to have brought back the tradition of like having fun and pulling a senior prank and that's the end of that one <laughs> and so that yeah that's why I want to talk about that one it's just like it's really sweet and like wholesome and it's just like everyone gets away with it and no one gets hurt and everyone just like has a good time with it so then the next story that we're going to do is a controversy story, and it's called Exposed Artist. Um, so once again, we are introduced to the story by Vanessa. Uh, so this one takes place in Wheeling, Illinois. Also, this one's a little bit shorter than the other one, so this is going to be real quick. We're going to blow through this. Um, this takes place in Wheeling, Illinois, which is kind of described as like an every town USA. It's just a quiet, friendly sort of town, not used to a lot of controversy. So then we get taken to Wheeling High School, which is um, described as very open and laid back. Uh, everyone is everyone gets along and you're sort of free who you want to be. So next we meet Mary, who is the hero of our story here. Um, she calls Wheeling a place where diversity and openness is celebrated. Also, I just want to like kind of call out what she looks like. She's got a really cute sort of nerdy gothy look, like a mid-2000s gothy nerd look. Um, she's got these like cat eye sunglasses on and she has this black bob and it's just, it's cute. So she is a straight A senior and one of Wheeling High's most celebrated artists. Um, she is like to her art is a way of life. She says she would just go crazy if she didn't know what she was going to do next like for her next project or wasn't thinking about her next art project. Um, and some of the the students at the high school are kind of interviewed about her and they say that yeah she's an incredible artist. So over the years, Mary had been known for her edgy, abstract artwork, but she decided that for her final, she wanted to make a political statement. So she painted this painting. It was a woman who has light brown skin and brown hair, and she's in a red dress. She has a flower in her hair, and then she has one breast exposed from the dress. And so Mary tells us that, you know, in the media, women are always kind of cast as the perfect blonde-looking supermodel. So she wanted to create something that just contradicted that, and so that's why she painted what she did. And she says that she was really proud of how it turned out, um, and she decided that she was going to put her artwork up for self-expression week. So that was basically, it's like an art showcase. It's for the best of the best in the school. She didn't really think twice about putting it up there because she was just, you know, an artist, and she was proud of what she had done. So... We're told that she, she puts her painting up. We, of course, see the reenactment of this happen. We see her put her painting up, and then she leaves to go get some other um, 
supplies, artwork, I don't know what she's going for. But one of Mary's friends who is there notices the dean has walked by. Um, He stops by the painting and then he picks up his walkie-talkie and like starts telling someone that they need to get down there. The friend says that de- the dean says that this is he says that it's an abomination, which I feel is very strong for a painting of a breast. But who's to say what men in 2004 were doing? So he calls over the other administrators and they're talking. They're saying that they have to take the painting down. Apparently, the students are sticking up for Mary. They're getting really fired up. Um, and then Mary comes back, of course, to see this scene. The deans are all waiting for her. Uh, she says that they called it an embarrassment. They said that, you know, they can't keep it up because parents might see it. And then one of the deans had the audacity to claim that girls will think that they're allowed to come to school with a breast exposed because of the painting. So Mary and the deans argue, but, um, of, you know, not much can be done. She accuses them of censoring her. We get to, like, see her, like, yelling at them in the reenactment. And then the principal walks over, who I guess is, like, the HBIC. um, And she's like, absolutely not. Take it down. Take it down. Absolutely not. So Mary gives up at that point, and she takes her painting down, and she takes it into this art room, and her friends gather around her, and they kind of talk about what they are going to do, decide how to move forward. And then Mary sees this really, really ugly, horrible green construction paper sitting on the table. So what she decides to do is she takes it and she puts it over the breast that was exposed on the painting. Um, And she said, I just kept thinking, you know, I want to deface it. I want to put it back. I want to put it back up with that paper on there to show. To show them. Sorry. So she knows basically that they can't do anything with it if the breast isn't exposed. But of course, this ugly green piece of paper sitting over the breast really draws attention to what's happening so it's working wonderfully everyone is seeing the painting and kind of seeing what's going on Um, after the painting went back up gossip kind of went around the school about what happened the argument that Mary had with the administrator so what people started doing was they were leaving notes around the edge of the painting basically just showing their support for Mary um, and speaking out against the censorship of the school And so Mary and her friends were really, um, really excited by the response and they decided to keep the conversation going. One of Mary's friends calls the local news and they come over and cover the story. So Mary like brings her painting out and takes the censorship off. And well, I don't know if actually she even has the green paper on or off at that point, but basically she shows her painting to the news, it airs on the news. Now the entire town is going to know what happened. School's trying to keep it quiet, but it's really getting blown out of proportion. And then as the final stand, the girls decide that they're going to have a peaceful protest. So they take that same ugly green construction paper and they cut it up into squares. Um, and then the next day they pass them out around school and people are putting them over their own breasts. Some of the guys are putting them on their chest. Some of the guys are putting them on their crotch. Basically, they're just drawing attention to the censored areas on the painting. And then at lunch, they and all the supporters go outside with signs, um, basically just saying, Wheeling High censors artists, honk if you support the arts. They just have a little demonstration along the like edge of the road as cars drive by. Cars are honking, people are acknowledging them, they're cheering. And then the principal's just out there watching them, but they can't do anything because technically the students aren't breaking any rules. Um, so the story got some media attention. We see like shots of headlines kind of just showing that, um, you know, the media has picked up Mary's story and the ending of the tale is basically that, um, woman made gallery out of Chicago called and offered to display Mary's painting 
as intended in their show. So she got to display, display her painting the way that she wanted to without the paper with the breast exposed. Um, and basically it just ends the, this is the end of the story, it just ends with the students kind of talking about how the protest brought them together and how it's kind of going to be the thing that they remember from high school. And Mary says that even though the administration may not have let her hang the painting up uncovered, you know, she knows that they heard her and that was the most rewarding thing of all. And then that's the end. Yeah, that one's really fast. Um, so those are the end. That's the end of the stories that I'm going to do. I tried to do a Where Are They Now. I really did. I promise I tried to do a Where Are They Now, you guys. But like, what can you do for an episode of High School Stories on YouTube with just a first name? And you say, High School Stories, Tom. Nothing's going to come up for that. I looked for AMAs, but there really wasn't a lot. Like I said, I feel like this is a pretty niche show, so I don't know how many people like even watched it in general. I really don't know if there's anyone out there trying to track down these people who are on MTV2 like one time 15 years ago now. Um, so yeah, does it hold up? Is it worth a rewatch? Um, it It does hold up. It holds up surprisingly well. There wasn't a lot that... I mean, for the forking, I guess the thing that doesn't hold up is the fact that that's really wasteful. Like, what did they do with those 30,000 plastic forks that had been stuck in the ground? That is something that I did truly think about while I was watching. I was just like, wow, this is really not anything that anyone would want to do these days because of all of the, like, waste that that generates. Um, but other than, like, the whole sustainability issue, I think it really did hold up the spirit of the high school prank. Like, I don't know if that's something that kids these days like hear about or know about, or if that's still a thing in popular media, but it definitely was a thing just like beyond this show. Like I know that high school pranks were a thing in popular media when I was growing up. So it's something that still feels really timeless for me. I don't know if maybe a younger generation would disagree with me, but I really enjoyed going back to that. Um, just like living living out your high school days it just felt kind of familiar and relatable maybe even more relatable now than when I was in high school um probably because this is the first time I've watched it since I've gone through high school actually because I probably haven't watched this show since I was in middle school so maybe that's why it's more relatable for me now is because I actually did go through high school even if I didn't have a high school senior prank or anything like that it's still something that like felt familiar to me those types of people those archetypes of people like the class clown who's still really friendly um the really talented artist girl who everyone knows like it's just everyone I feel like we all have those people in high school so yeah I would say it's definitely worth a rewatch the quality isn't really good on YouTube but if it's something that you watched and remember I would say check it out like see if you remember it for yourself um if it's not something that you ever saw I would say maybe watch an one of the little segments and see what you think the quality is really poor but if you can kind of get past like how fuzzy everything looks and just enjoy the story for what it is I feel like it was like a fun this is definitely a fun little show that MTV did that's different from their other shows like Room Raiders and Cribs and everything it's just like it's real people and like I don't know it's like real people that are just like it's very light-hearted it doesn't have the stakes that like a catfish would have you know which is real people but it's like there's that different more emotional level to it um other than that there's also just like a lot of it it does look really dated like it just looks like 2004 like that the outfits the clothing um I'm sure we see some flip phones that I just wasn't paying attention to it's just really funny too it just is very 
very iconic 2004 looking, so that's fun too. But otherwise, I would say it is. It does hold up overall, so give it a rewatch or a first-time watch if it's not familiar to you. All right, kiddos, um, that is it. Like I said, it, it, it's a short episode today. I hope you all don't mind. I hope you all don't mind that I'm taking a couple weeks off, um, but please do contribute to uh, the mailbag slash end of the year recap slash my thoughts on <laughs> reality TV, having watched a bunch of it in the past year episode that we're going to do. Um, send me a message. Uh, email me, snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. Um, find me on Facebook, snap back to reality. You can message me there. You can DM me on Instagram is the best way to do it. It's at snap back to reality pod or at really underscore Riley. If you want to just follow my personal Instagram, don't DM me about the mailbag on my personal. Just do that on the, the podcast Instagram if you want to, because that way I can keep everything together. Um, if you haven't already, please do give this a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple podcasts and all of those other wonderful places. It would really help me out. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. You guys, I will talk to you soon. Bye.